This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good day. I have got a special guest to kick off the show here. He is a Shiawassee County commissioner, Dan McMaster. Uh, That is his public official hat. He is also the co-founder and partner in Grassroots Midwest. And that means he's a political consultant on a kind of bipartisan basis with his partner, uh, Adrian Heeman, who we had as a guest last week. Dan McMaster, welcome to the Political Insider. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Well, let me ask you just a big, broad question right now. There's so much going on in Michigan politics right now. So many people running for office at various levels from governor, U.S. Senate on the way down the ballot. What jumps out at you right now that you think uh, is most noteworthy in terms of what voters ought to be paying attention to? Well, it's, 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 it's interesting. We have, like you said, we have a lot of candidates. We have a U.S. Senate race. We have uh, the governor's race, attorney general, secretary of state. Uh, the state Senate's up, the state house. We've got some Supreme Court races. We have uh, some very, very important, um, possibly, uh, ballot proposals. And it almost seems like the public's, uh, the voting public, the electorate, is kind of disengaged because they're, they're caught up in this, like, reality TV show called President Trump. And... And it just seems like Washington, what's happening in Washington is sucking the oxygen out of the room. And we have everybody who's, who's watching, you know, whether it's the Supreme Court nominee or it's tariffs or it's just this constant drama coming out of D.C. In the White House, you have, you know, half the, half the electorate approves, half disapproves. Uh, the economy's doing really well. Everyone's, everyone's doing well with their investments and, 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 and there's, there's jobs and, and there's, uh, you know, people are making money. Michigan's getting back to work, and 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 we're at a crossroads of you know, do we do we stay on that path? Do we do we continue with the the Republican Snyder kind of agenda, or do we go back to the Granholm agenda? And uh, it just seems like everyone, like said, everyone's kind of disengaged. We have we have a uh, a marijuana ballot proposal which is um, worded poorly and could be dangerous to public safety and. And then you have the the uh, a couple proposals, one to rewrite how we draw the lines, and and it just seems like there's there's a there's a lot going on, and the public, you know, we're what forty five days out, forty days out, and the public, I feel like, really hasn't uh, really hasn't tuned in yet. Well, I agree with you that it appears uh, this is more than ever an election that's a referendum on the president of the United States, Donald Trump. Yeah. And, but but uh, when you say disengaged, I'm not sure the electorate is disengaged. I mean, yes, uh, they may be making their decision on who to vote for on November 6th based on their feelings about Donald Trump. But right, we're, right. we got a lot of people out there, experts like Chris Thomas, the former state elections director, now retired. Uh, I know Mark Grebner, who's a political consultant, uh, list broker here in Lansing. They're predicting huge voter turnout in November, uh, 4 million, 4.2 million, which would be a record. So in other words, when you say people are disengaged, it's not like they're not going to get out and vote, is it? Oh, no, I think they're going to vote. They're going to vote. 
and they're going to cast their votes up and down the ballot. Although you know we don't have we won't have a straight ticket uh, ballot voting, but they're going to vote. It just seems like you say it's a referendum on the president. It's, it, it reminds me of '06. It reminds me a lot of '06 and what happened in that midterm election. You know, we had the wars, the the, the uh, Iraq Afghanistan war. It was dragging on. Uh, Bush popularity was was low and. We had a lot of people that turned out and voted, and, and in some cases, you know, yeah, 08 was a wave election, but a lot of the damage was already done in 06. And, and because because they're, I mean, they're tuned into federal politics, national politics, and, and, and they're going to the ballot and they're voting, and they may be voting down the ticket, maybe not necessarily informed about who they're voting for, for state senator or state rep or county commissioner. They're voting on their feelings towards what's happening, what they're watching on cable news. Well, two things let me ask you about based on what you've just said. Um, earlier in your comments, you said, you know, the state is kind of divided on President Trump. You know, half the people like him, half the people don't like him. Uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. I mean, all the polls that have been taken show that his approval rating in Michigan is even lower than it is nationally. It's down around 36 percent. And the disapproval is over 50%. So it's kind of upside down. And if that's the case, it doesn't sound to me like that's good news for Republican candidates. It's not. I mean, it's not. The uh, The Democrats certainly have the wind at their back right now. Um, there's a, there's several gusts of wind. Um, you know, you have, it's, 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 it's interesting where I, where I live in Shiawassee um, and not in, not in Southern, not in the corner that's kind of, kind of like, kind of more associates with Lansing and just kind of like, you know, in Southern Clinton County, I'm up in the middle and that's Trump country. And, and it just seems like the Trump supporters, the true Trump supporters have doubled down um, and, 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 and they're happy. Um, and then, like you say, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's the other side. They're growing more and more, more and more discontent, but you know, what, what you really, what you have to really realize, and even, even with an increased turnout, it all comes down to, turnout but it all comes down to the independents the swing voters and where they are and right now whether whether it's trump or something else they're going toward democrat they're leaning towards democrats and they're leaning towards female candidates so it's kind of a mixed bag um you know and, and like i said it kind of kind of depends where you are um in the state with the trump stuff i've seen i've seen some numbers that have them um, you know like 50 for for approval rating or in and 50 for for disapproval um, so, you know, just obviously it depends which, if you're looking at the whole population, if you're looking at just, uh, gubernatorial election voters, and then, uh, if you boil down, if you're, you know, out state Michigan, if you're looking at some of these races in the, in the suburbs, which is where, is where the Republicans are going to have trouble and where they're struggling right now is, uh, it's not, obviously it's not in the deep urban areas and it's not in the, in the out state country areas. It's that, it's those rings around Southeast Michigan, the ring around Lansing, the ring around uh, Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the uh, approval or disapproval of President Trump is not evenly distributed throughout the state. I mean, there's some areas where obviously the intense loathing of Donald Trump oh, yeah. is pretty high, like down in Detroit or Southeast Michigan or whatever. But you're right. You get into certain areas of the state. It could be uh, Shiawassee County, could be up north in Michigan, and there's uh, at least even uh, amount of support for President Trump, or maybe even marginally he's more popular than unpopular in sections of outstate Michigan. 
in a lot of the swing districts. By the way, we haven't even talked about state house and Senate. We're going to do that in a couple of minutes, but let me ask you one other question and it relates to what we're talking about here. And that is straight ticket voting. We don't have it this year for the first time in 130 years. It's going to be fascinating. If I, if I had, if I had seen the future, and I knew that, that it was going to turn out like this in early September. I may have, I may have reconsidered being on the ballot back in, uh, <laughs> back in April uh, to running it for a county commissioner. But, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be, it'll be a true test. What, what, ha- what, happens, what happens when Republicans and Democrats go to the poll and, and our hardcore base on both sides can't just fill in the bubble? What's going to happen? Are, are Republicans going to go all the way down the ticket? Are Democrats going to go all the way down the ticket? It's going to be a it's going to be a fascinating study, which is which is one thing that kind of offsets the whole anti-Trump and wind at the back of, of of the Democrats is you know you're 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 dealing in a uh, non-presidential election, so turnout although it may be higher, it's lower than what it usually is for presidential, and and you're not going to have you're just not going to have that that straight ticket voting. It's, it's going to be a it's going to be a fast for for researchers and, 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 and data geeks and, and pundits. It's going to be fascinating to go through after the election and, and, and compare it to past elections on street ticket voting and turnout and, and what, you know, how far people actually, where, where, where the drop-off it truly is on the ballot. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break here. We'll be back in a minute with Dan McMaster, who is the Shiawassee County Commissioner, retiring undefeated, by the way, this year, not running for re-election. And he's the co-founder and partner in Grassroots Midwest. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Dan McMaster, who is an elected Shiawassee County Commissioner, but he's uh, retiring undefeated after one term uh, to get back to what he really loves to do, and that is run political campaigns, uh, be a political consultant. Uh, By the way, for both Democrats and Republicans, it depends on the candidate in the district, state house, and state senate. And, uh, I'd like to ask you, Dan McMaster, uh, your opinion about, uh, several races around the state are in these so-called swing areas that are going to determine, um, which party Republicans or Democrats control the state Senate after November 6th. Right now, the Republicans have 27 members of the Senate. Democrats only have 10. There's one seat vacant in the Detroit area, a democratic seat. So let's say 27-11 going into the election. Uh, the first district I'd like to ask you about is over in the Muskegon area, Nuego County, Oceana County, uh, Ludington, uh, Nuego, that area. But Muskegon is the big city. John Bumstead is a former state representative Republican uh, versus Poppy. Uh, I think it's Cias Hernandez, uh, the Democratic nominee. What do you think is going to happen over there? Well, you know, I, I think I think first first you look at the big picture. The Senate Republicans have a lot of financial resources, a lot of a lot of human resources, skill, experience. Um, you have people running these campaigns that have that have been there for for several 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 cycles. Um, and and I know I know the Senate Republicans have have the resources. Um, 
I think I think there's 12 seats they're looking at and they're in, and they have the resources to be in to the end. So this is the Muskegon is a seat where they will be in to the absolute end. Um, Bumstead is a hard campaigner, very very hard campaigner. Um, you know, uh, political experts, consultants, pundits, everybody, everybody said he wasn't going to win first time he won for for state rep, and he did. And then everyone thought Holly Hughes was going to beat him, and he beat Holly. So I mean, he can't be discounted. He's a he's he's a hard campaigner. Um, obviously, you're dealing. You have the um, you have Muskegon, which parts of Muskegon County are tough. Um, but this is a case where, without straight ticket voting, it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens in the city of Muskegon. Um, you know, are, are the Democrats going to be able to turn out their voters and have them work all the way down the ticket? Um, so I would right now I'd I'd say that the nod goes to Bumstead. Okay, let's look at um, Kalamazoo. This was the closest race in the state four years ago. Big upset, actually. Uh, State Representative Margaret O'Brien, a Republican, beat uh, Sean McCann, a Democratic state representative. They gave up their seats to run for the state Senate. Uh, I think it was less than 100 votes. Uh, now is a rematch, and the same third-party candidate, uh, Lauren Wenke, is in the race running as, a, I think, an independent this time. He ran as a libertarian four years ago. What do you think is going to happen there? Well, you know, I would... I would say the the on paper things look very tough for Margaret O'Brien, um, but like Bum said, she's a hard campaigner. She probably runs one of the best incumbency programs of any any state senators. Um, if if you if you're by her on the whether when she was a rep or as a senator on the on the floor, she's always always handwriting notes to constituents and you know, happy notes or thank you notes or, you know, nice to meet you or congratulatory notes. She's a hard, hard worker. Um, you know, this one, this one, it could, it could come down close at the very end because this is an area that's trending away for Republicans and it has been for about 20 years. Um, it's, 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 it's been a, it's been a struggle there. What's also interesting to know is inside that Senate district, you have, um, the 61st House District, which is Bray Iden, and it's my understanding that 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 seat could be in jeopardy also. So now you have a now you have a heated House race inside of a heated Senate race, and things kind of get real interesting. And it, it kind of comes down to who, which, which sometimes it's more than just the candidate; it becomes the party, the local resources, who who can work best together. Um, but it it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't help Margaret having a having a heated uh, house race underneath her. What about um, the district up in the thumb, but it then curls up into uh, Bay County, includes Bay City. It's also got Lapeer, Tuscola counties. It's been represented yep. by Mike Green, a state senator who's term limited. So it's an open seat. You've got a uh, former state rep named Kevin Daly, a uh, Republican running against uh, the Bay County clerk, I believe it is, Cynthia yeah. Luzak. Um, you know, originally that was a Democratic seat for years, and then Mike Green won it in 2010. Um, what about that seat this time around? You know, I know I know that seat very well because I started, I started working in 1993 for Joel Gujad. And um, it has traditionally been usually Bay City, the center of that Senate seat. They usually elect a Democrat for either Congress or for for state Senate and state rep. Um, 
I know Cindy. I know Kevin. Kevin's a, a former client of mine. I know Kevin's been working very, very hard, um, spending a lot of time up in Bay County. Um, he, he came off a, uh, a primary that really boosted his name ID. I mean, I was all the way in Owasso. I was I was watching and hearing his commercials about how he was he was a farmer and a hard worker and everything. Uh, Cindy, I know Cindy personally. Um, you know, she's pro life. She's pro gun, which kind of fits that. Bay City Democrat, you know, um, profile, kind of like Monroe County. Um, but I don't know, I don't know necessarily that she's put in enough work and enough time. Uh, my nod goes to Kevin Daly on that one. Yeah, let's go to uh, Oakland County. Now, this is really kind of interesting. There's a late breaking story this week in the 39th House District. It's kind of like West Bloomfield. And th- this is an open seat where a poll was taken um, uh, about a week ago showing Jennifer Swedan, I think that's how you pronounce her name, yep. Um, yep. the Democrat uh, ahead of the Republican nominee, Ryan Berman, 50 to 38%. But then came these uh, charges that are apparently going to be filed against Jennifer Swedan for embezzling from the, uh, I don't know whether it's the uh, Oakland County Treasurer's office or from his campaign, Andy Meisner, I'm not really sure, but uh, big uh, stories in, in the past few days about that. Does that make a difference uh, in a race like that down the ballot or what? What do you think? Well, well that's, the, that's a seat that I've worked in many cycles, and we've won, we've lost. Um, that was Clint Custos. Um, who vacated it to run for Congress. Um, it's real interesting because, you know, the eastern part of that district, it leans the Dem side, and then you get over uh, uh, in the, the western part into Wixom, and and it gets, you know, gets more more Republican. Um, she did have a lead. There was talk that that seat was gone, that Republicans weren't going to be able to stand a chance, um, and now things have changed. And the thing is, you know, if this was like a week to go and, and, and she was already over 50, problem is, I shouldn't say the problem is, but the, the issue is we have 45 days. So there's plenty of time to to tear her down and to educate educate the voters on this and for the Republican to, to, to get those in those swing voters back on his side. So um, I would I would say it, it could it could um, uh, Ryan Ryan I think it's Berman is his name. Yeah, I, I yeah. believe I believe he could win it. Um, this is not a uh, not a very good issue. For, for the Democrat candidate. Okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to ask uh, Dan to stick around for another 10-minute segment. Can you do that, Dan? I can do that. I, yep. Okay, we'll just take a short break here, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Dan McMaster with Grassroots Midwest, uh, co-founder and partner, uh, political consultant. Um, I want to ask you about the 71st State House District. We had a guest last week, Christine Barnes, a Republican nominee. This is an open seat in Eaton County, just west of Lansing. Uh, includes like Grand Ledge, Delta Township, Charlotte, Eaton Rapids. Uh, she's running against uh, Angela Whitworth, the Democratic nominee. Um, to succeed Tom Barrett, who's running for the state Senate. What do you think about that, the 71st District? I think I think history is going to follow its normal course, and that's a seat um, that has um, flipped, gone back and forth. Uh, 
Sue Tabor had it, and then Rick Jones, and then we've kind of gone back and forth. Uh, you have uh, what's interesting about that seat is 45% of that seat comes out of Delta Township. Um, suburb right next to uh, the city of Lansing. Um, you've got a lot, a lot of swing voters. Um, you have Senator Jones who's supporting Christine Barnes, and that you know I've done polling actually on that in the past, and he's very popular, well liked. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the voters are going to go with with you know who his pick is. Um, I'm hearing from both sides that that seat could be uh, could already be gone. I mean, we have 45 days. Mean and, God and to that, the Democrats. Yeah, 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 and uh, um, a lot, a lot can happen. But you know, you also that's another seat you've got. That's you got the twenty fourth Senate seat, which uh, you've got um, Kelly Rossman versus Tom Barrett, and there's going to be a ton of activity in Delta Township because that's you know it's a big chunk of that of that Senate seat, and you know a lot, a lot can happen in forty five days. But. Um, I like said that seat has gone. That seat's gone back and forth, back and forth, and they've been close elections. Um, there's been some elections that have been within a little over a hundred votes um, for for the victor in in in, uh, in that in that seat. Let me let me ask you uh, if that's uh, a possibility in the 71st House District. If there's a blue wave on November 6th, and it kind of washes out the Republican. Uh, nominee, uh, Christine Barnes, we don't know whether that's going to happen, but if it happens, it means that there could be some other districts, even involving incumbents. You mentioned Brant Iden in Kalamazoo earlier be a possibility. Here's another one, Larry Inman up in Traverse city, a traditionally Republican seat. He's an incumbent Republican. He's getting a pretty fierce challenge from a Democrat named Dan O'Neill, who's raised a lot of money. And uh, there's some thought there could be an upset up there. Would a blue wave be able to wash away Larry Inman in the 104th uh, State House District in Traverse City? Yes, absolutely. That that seat, um, it used to be Grand Traverse and Kalkaska, and now it's just uh, Grand Traverse County. Uh, Kalkaska always kind of helped it because that was you know a little more Republican. Uh, but Grand Traverse has grown so much, um, uh, you know, micro-immigration from downstate, um, and they're not Republican voters that are that are moving up there. That's been on the radar before. Um, that's been on the radar with Larry, um, and even uh, prior to Larry, there's been some years that it's been on the watch list. Money has best have been spent there. Um, and I know I'm I'm hearing uh, whispers and talk that there's some issues up there. And and um, yeah, I mean that 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 could be a, that could be a blue wave seat. What about the 99th State House District in Mount Pleasant? This is one the Democrats have coveted for years. They never have been able to win it. There's an incumbent Republican, Roger Houck, running for re-election, uh, being opposed by Democrat Kristen Brown. Uh, is Houck in trouble? You know, I haven't. I really haven't heard anything about that seat. I, I, that's the seat. You know, I've, I've wondered about it. I really haven't heard anyone talking about it. But that that is a seat. I mean, it's a 50-50 seat. You have the university, and and you know the, a lot is always you know what what kind of voter turnout can you get from university employees and university students? Um, obviously, in a presidential year, it's it's more of a concern. Um, but uh, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything. But I know the Democrats have always wanted that seat. Uh, you know, you had McBride, then you had the two calls, and then you had uh, um, uh, the former speaker. Um, Kevin Cotter, Kevin, Kevin Cotter, Kevin Cotter, and then and then yeah, then you've had the last two cycles. The Dems have tried to go after it. 
but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard anything about that scene. Okay, what about? But, but it could. I mean, it, you know, I, I when the when the Isabella County Public Transportation shuttle shows up at the dorms to haul people to the ballot to the polls, it it, <laughs> it could be a problem. It could be a problem. That's Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant. Okay, yeah. the 91st State House District. Now that's over in the Muskegon area, um, in the same uh, area as this uh, Senate race that we were talking about earlier between John uh, Bumstead and the Democrat uh, Poppy Cias Hernandez. Uh, this is uh, between Greg Van Workham, the Republican nominee, who I think is the son of a former Correct. state senator, and uh, Democrat Tanya Kabala or Kabala. Um, what do you think about that? That's a seat that the Republicans have held, uh, for three of the last four elections, but Democrats can win that seat and they've had it in the past. They, they have, uh, Colleen Lamonte, um, uh, held it, took, uh, to, uh, Holly Hughes had it and then Colleen won and then Holly got it back. But, um, I have heard recently that, uh, Greg, who is the son of Jerry Van Orkham is actually, uh, leading in a, in a poll, which is interesting because when his father was a candidate for state rep and state Senate, he was never this far out. Jerry was never, never up in the polls. And that's always an area, um, that comes home late for Republicans for whatever reason. Um, it gets, it seems real close, real close. And then we, whether it's the Senate or the house, we, we always pull it out. Yeah. What about a couple other races? Uh, I'm going to go back to the state Senate here in, in Oakland County, uh, Marty Nolenberg incumbent in Troy uh, running against the democratic uh, female uh, candidate. Um, And do you think he's in trouble? Uh, Mallory McMorrow is the democratic candidate. Uh, He's running for a second four year term. And also, um, You've got uh, Mike McCready, uh, Republican state rep, who's won the Republican nomination in a state Senate district in Northeast Oakland County. You would think that that would be a Republican seat, but I'm hearing that the female Democratic candidate there might have a chance. What do you think? Yeah, both, both of those seats. And, I, and I've, met, I've met Mallory McMorrow. Um, she's definitely a hard worker, but I, I wouldn't count Marty out. I mean, Marty's worked very hard in the past. Um, but that's anti-Trump country. And I mean, as you talk about Southern Oakland, I mean, that's, those are two seats. They're going to be a lot closer than what they should be. Uh, what about, um, the battle Creek seat? Now that is a really tough one for Republicans. You have John Bison, a medical doctor, Republican has served in the house two terms, uh, gives up his seat to run for the state Senate. Uh, it's an open seat, and the Democrat who ran against Bison two years ago, Jim Hadsma, gave Bison a heck of a race, uh, very close. He's back as the Democratic nominee. The Republican Dave Morgan is running. This is the seat, I believe, that's the most Democratic that is currently held by a Republican in the entire state house. So what about that? Well, it's, uh, that's an interesting seat because you know, all, all seats have the same population, but for whatever reason, there's a very low voter turnout in Battle Creek. Um, you know, when I've worked on that on that scene in the past, I, I look at the universes and I wonder why they're so low. They, they just don't vote. The folks in the city don't vote. You take away straight ticket voting, um, we may be able to hold on to that seat. 
So what about the three ballot proposals? Uh, pollster Bernie Porn of Epic MRA predicts uh, all three are going to win uh, in November, but he says uh, look a little dicey right now for uh, at least two of them. Proposal three looks pretty solid, but one and two, recreational marijuana and uh, voters not politician redistricting are shaky. Not, you know, not not hearing a ton, but in my understanding, groups are going to come in to oppose the redistricting. And, uh, you know, the marijuana, if you sample the population, not necessarily the people that are voting, the population, they're, they're in support of recreational marijuana. When you drill down and look at likely voters in a gubernatorial election, I think the support's a little weak. Okay, we are uh, very grateful to Dan McMaster, Chiawassee County Commissioner, co-founder, partner of Grassroots Midwest. Thank you so much for your insights, Dan McMaster. Thank you. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back. For our wrap-up, and we've got a very special guest here, the Attorney General of the State of Michigan, Bill Schuette, who is the Republican nominee for governor, as everybody knows. Uh, Welcome to the Political Insider, Bill Schuette. Hey, uh, Bill Ballinger. Great to be on the Political Insider. Uh, I finally made it. It's like uh, making it (laughs) in Hollywood or on Broadway. I finally made it on the uh, Ballinger uh, Podcast Insider. Well, now, flattery will get you nowhere, but look, uh, I'll give you a chance. I, I know that. I know that. I'm certain <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me just start out by asking you this. Uh, there have been a whole bunch of polls taken in the last 10 days. I think six of them I've counted. But the most recent one by Epic MRA shows that uh, the governor's race is maybe tightening. Uh, there were some leads that your opponent, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, the Democrat, had for the first five polls that ranged from anywhere from nine to 14 points. But now this one shows it's eight points, and there's still plenty of time left between now and November 6th. So what are you doing that is making this a closer race, and what can you do to close the gap still further? Well, you know, the, the race is tightening, and we're closing, and uh, we're closing steadily, and in 39 days, uh, we're going to win. And I think everybody knows that in Michigan, uh, Republicans uh, start from behind. Whether your name is uh, uh, Reagan, Trump, or John Engler, I mean, you start from behind, and, th- and then you win on Election Day. And, you know, I'm the comeback kid, and uh, we'll win this in 39 days because of our agenda, uh, the paycheck agenda of more, uh, more jobs and bigger paychecks. Well, now, do you think that really is the major issue here um, in Michigan this year in the governor's race? Yeah, no, I really do. The central question, Bill, is are we going to go forward or, or, or are we going to go backwards? And the fact is we can't go backwards because, remember, and the policies of Jennifer Granholm and, and uh, Gretchen Whitmer was uh, an architect of these were uh, tax increases that crushed jobs, mandates that uh, stopped economic development, and a massive exodus from Michigan. And uh, that's what happened during the lost decade. And those policies uh, set us in a, you know, uh, on the mat on life support. And now Michigan is in a place where we have the lowest uh, unemployment rates in, in decades. It was 15% under Granholm and Whitmer. Now it's uh, at this record-setting lowest number. 
And the question is, how do you go from uh, how do we go from uh, good to great to make sure we win and compete against other states? It's all about jobs. It's all about paychecks. It's all about going forward instead of dismantling all our success in the past eight years of Governor Snyder and our Republican team. Your Democratic opponent, Gretchen Whitmer, her mantra in this campaign, uh, as I think a lot of people know, is just fix the damn roads. How important is the roads as an issue? Does it Trump, just the broad economy and economic growth? Is it part of it? How can uh, the roads be satisfactorily addressed as an issue between now and Election Day and in the future? Um, and what about the disruption in road repair that took place taking up most of September until Governor Snyder apparently finally got the two sides, the uh, contractors and union labor back together and they're starting to work on it again. What about that as an issue? Well, you know, the roads issue is, is, is very significant. And nobody, nobody's on the roads more than I, Bill, in our two peninsulas and 83 counties. And, you know, you can't be a first uh, world uh, economic leader if you have third world roads. And, uh, you know, some of these potholes, uh, I even give names to them because I see them all the time. And the fact is we need to uh, rebuild our infrastructure. That means a full, complete review of how MDOT allocates road funding. Secondly, it's guarantees uh, and uh, warranties on the road and bridges that we build. And we need to get more money from Washington uh, in terms of federal uh, uh, highway funding. And I'll walk through the front door of the uh, White House and be an advocate for Michigan. And then finally, let's make uh, roads be a priority. It's a $58 billion budget. And uh, businesswomen, businessmen make decisions every day about priorities. Lisa Postumus Lyons, my exceptional Attorney, uh, Lieutenant Governor Choice, will, uh, she and I will work to get that done. And you know what? I'm glad that the, uh, it appears as if the, the, you know, the problem of the work stoppage has been resolved because, you know, winter's coming. Let's get, to, let's get it finished. And, you know, when my opponent, uh, Senator Whitmer, talks about fixing the roads, it's code language for uh, that she wants to raise your darn taxes. And uh, that's what it's all about. And, that, uh, again, this would harken back to the lost decade of uh, Jennifer Granholm uh, would be more taxes, which would drive businesses and economic uh, development out of Michigan. We're not going back on that. You've been a big fan of President Donald Trump. Uh, obviously, you endorsed him uh, in 2016. You stuck with him uh, during a turbulent campaign. Um and he's a big supporter of you. He has endorsed you. Do you think the president's going to come into the state and campaign for you? Does he want to come in? Are you going to ask him to come in? You know, I appreciate that uh, the president and vice president have cut taxes, along with our Republican uh, members of the congressional delegation here in Michigan, cut taxes uh, to build more jobs. And I think it's incredible that the production of the Ram truck is being moved from uh, Mexico to Michigan. Now, when's the last time he had jobs coming from Mexico to our state? It's a result of the taxes that the administration uh, and a Republican congressman cut taxes in Michigan. And I welcome the president to come to come to our state. I hope he comes to the Warren truck plant. I've invited him to come along. And you know what? I like the fact that we're uh, cutting taxes and uh, providing more jobs in Michigan. In Warren, it's 2,500 more jobs, a billion-dollar investment, I mean, that's, that's impactful in Macomb County and, frankly, across the state of Michigan. That, that was good news for Michigan. You have subpoenaed, I believe, seven uh, Roman Catholic dioceses in Michigan for records relating to sexual abuse. 
Uh, you've been uh, critical of your Democratic opponent, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, for not being more aggressive uh, in going after Dr. Larry Nasser when she was the acting uh, Ingham County prosecutor. Do you think your uh, moves and charges uh, that you've made here just in the last couple of weeks are going to manifest results between now and November 6th? Listen, uh, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a job as attorney general, uh, and I took an oath uh, twice, January of 2011 and January of uh, 2015, when I was sworn in at, uh, as two terms as attorney general. It's called enforcing the law. And I'm the guy who put Larry Nasser behind bars for life. I filed the charges uh, and uh, made the decision, had the capacity. Uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer failed to do so. She failed this test of leadership and decision-making on Nasser. Uh, she punted, I didn't, uh, and put him behind bars. And with, re- you know, with respect to the, the Catholic Church question you uh, mentioned, now that's just part of my job as Attorney General. We don't comment on investigations while they're occurring, but uh, uh, obviously uh, these are significant issues. And, you know, chips fall where they may. It's like Flint. You know, there are 12 people who died in Flint, and uh, kids were poisoned. Uh, and I established an independent council and to determine what laws may have been violated, if any. And this is about accountability and justice for Flint. Because, Bill, I know people in Flint that still drink uh, water only from plastic bottles. Do you think you're going to get answers from the Catholic dioceses between now and November 6th? You know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, we're just going to have this investigation. I can't get into the details. And, and uh, I'm certain they'll be cooperative. And, and uh, we'll just proceed like any other investigation, just by the book, uh, just um, and don't comment about the, the details of the investigation, Bill. Another uh, issue I know you've been outspoken about is uh, ability to read. You said by the time uh, kids get to third grade in Michigan on your watch as governor, they're going to be able to read. Is that uh, pretty much your uh, goal? Uh, is that one of the chief objectives because Michigan has scored so poorly on these uh, student assessment exams compared to other states over the past decade and two? Yeah, you know, it's outrageous that uh, our third-grade reading scores are among the lowest in America. And here's what I mean. It means that only 35%, roughly, of our third graders, third graders, when they complete that level, third grade in schools, only 35% can read. I mean, that's we ought to be up in arms about that. And just imagine, if yours can't read in the third grade, and you and, uh, look at the prism and the, your future is pretty gloomy uh, and, and pretty dim. The, the lens in which you see Michigan and America, uh, it's not one of opportunity or, or a chance to go up the ladder. It's, well, it's probably a, a life of crime and, uh, and maybe in prison. And that's not what uh, hope is about. But if you can't read the directions to get this, uh, this country, it's called a uh, shining city on a hill, because you can't read, if you can't spell opportunity, you're out of hope. We have to change that. I'm going to have a literacy director uh, as a cabinet-level member in my administration. We're going to grade our schools A through F. That'll give parents a report card to see uh, how the schools are performing in their neighborhood. And and I want to reward those schools who are showing improvement uh, with grants as an incentive to further uh, educational performance. And that's, that is critical for us to move forward as a, a state, as a society, Michigan's children will read when I'm governor. Believe it or not, uh, Attorney General Bill Schuette, Republican nominee for governor, we are out of time. I wish we could keep going. There's so much more to talk about, but thank you so much for appearing on The Political Insider.
just do it again. Let's play two. Love to do it.